0: All right, stay on your feet. Let's give some of that to Jesus. Come on, give Jesus some praise today. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Uh, let me pray over you before we're seated. Uh, by the way, it's just my honor to be here. And uh, we love Ventura. God loved you so much. He dropped you down in one of the most beautiful cities in the world right here. Don't you love this spot in, on the globe? Is that comrade back there? Brother, we, we went, did a, we ministered together in the Philippines a long time ago. I don't think I've seen you since, so you're, you're as tall as I remember, so it's great to see you, man. We had a, we had a, great, we had a good time over there. Uh, let me pray over you. Here's, here's what I know. Here's what I understand. The Word of God is alive and powerful, and it breathes, and we're asking the Holy Spirit now in these precious moments we have to speak to each heart, so I'm going to share some thoughts, a few verses, some exhortations, asking for His spirit of prophecy to be on the room, so here's what I believe. While the Word's going out, God's going to speak to you. Some of you are here today, you're facing a decision in your business. For some, it's a relationship. For some, you're healing up from a hurt, a wound. There's all manner of things happening in the room and the Holy Spirit is completely capable. And actually, uh, he leans into this when people's hearts are open. He comes and speaks in the middle of the message. So he wants to speak to you today. He wants to bring some clarity to your life. Are you guys up for that? Are you hungry for God today? Lord, we love you and we thank you for your church. We thank you for your bride. We thank you for the City Church, California. Thank you for these precious people. We ask in these moments you would come and speak to every heart. We honor your word. Jesus, the church belongs to you. We say, come and be upon the throne today. Holy Spirit, this is your time. Use me, anoint my mind and body to communicate well and open the hearts of your people to receive all that you have. We give you all the praise and honor. And all God's people said, amen. Before you're seated, do turn to the person on your right and say, you're better looking than I remembered. You're better looking. And if you want, you can turn to the neglected person on the left and go, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. (laughs) So good. Let me just take just a moment to uh, honor your pastors. And for those of you who don't know, we're actually related and we share the same grandbabies. Yes. So here's the way it came down. My youngest daughter, Sierra, we call her sis. She was at a turning point getting out of senior year, as some do, and kind of wobbling around trying to figure out she was going to serve God and what she'd do with her life. And I said, take a couple of days of prayer. And we had this talk. I said, Pastor Jude and Becky have started a church in Ventura, and they have an amazing intern program, Bible College. It was one of the early years. They just started. And so she prayed, and she said, yeah, I, I want to go down there. So she moved down here. I don't know how many years ago. It's been a few. How many? Eleven years ago, she moved down to Ventura, and she fell in love with Jesus all over again. And then what we didn't see in the menu was this. She fell in love with Jude Jr., Right? Uh, they got married, and now we ha- we share grandkids. In fact, here's a, here's a picture of my tribe right here, uh, and you'll see that's uh, Jude Fuquay Jr. and Sierra, and Jack and Lucy. Lucy's the princess of the family, Cohen and Ivor and Joseph and Tasha, and we get to do ministry with our family, and, and it's a really joy, a joy to do that. I do want to honor uh, Jude and Beck for just a moment because... Um, they are, and you know this if you attend here, some of the most faith-filled, encouraging people that you're ever going to meet. They love the house of God. They love people. They love Jesus. They love you. And every time we get around Jude and Becky, we get encouraged. He's always prophesying and just doing what he does. So we love you guys. Could you honor your pastors? Come on, give it up for him today. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, let's jump into the word here. Would you agree with me that the last two years of your life, the world has accelerated in the way it's changing and has changed in the last 24 months, like no other time in your lifespan? Would some of you agree with that? So I've been on the planet 60 years plus. So I've seen some things I've seen some change. But this last two years, it has accelerated in such a way, obviously with all the pandemics and riots and elections and now wars, and so much is going on. We almost forgot about Afghanistan, which just happened a few months ago. And now with the Ukraine, uh, in fact, one of our campuses is a Russian-speaking campus, a lot of Slavic people uh, from all the areas over there. uh, But about 50% of our Russian-speaking campus are from Ukraine. And so we have pastors that are directly connected to our church, some of them missing in action. So we feel this, we're interceding, we feel the weight of it. And when you look at what's happening in your world, if you know anything about prophetic timelines, if you've studied prophecy, you got to ask this question Is this whole thing wrapping up? I mean, is Jesus getting ready? To, has anybody been asking that question? It's a good one to ask, by the way. So let me refresh your memory. One day, Jesus and Jesus never had an average day, but he did some things consistently. So one of the consistent days of Jesus, he'd walk down the Mount of Olives and he, he looked out over the city and he began to weep and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you, but you missed the time of your visitation. So he does some teaching. He heals some folks. They're getting ready to leave the city and the the disciples are like, Jesus, behold the beauty of the temple. And they wanted him just to stand in awe of the Solomon's temple and, and, um, he made this statement. He said, there's a party going on. I love that. <laughs> Cheers. Um, he said, listen, he said, not one stone of this temple will remain upon another. It's all going to be destroyed, which shocked them. They thought that was just incomprehensible. They get back at the house and like, Hey, Jesus, tell us about the destruction of the temple and the end of all the things, and when will you return? This was an ongoing conversation with Jesus and the disciples. So in Matthew 24, give it a slow read when you get home, Jesus says this. He describes the world you're living in right now. He said, before I return, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. Nation is going to rise against nation. There'll be pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And he describes the mayhem that pretty much we've lived through in the last couple of years. Then he makes the, the statement to you disciples. He says, when you see these things, it is the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. Now, obviously, I'm not a professional at birth pains, but we have a lot of trained professionals in the room. How many moms we got in the room? Trained professional at birth pains. But correct me if I'm wrong. Here's what we know about birth pains. Once they start, they intensify and they increase. They come with intensity and they come with increased, you know, yeah. It's just, it's on. Once it's on, it's on. They're not going to back off. And he's saying when you see these things, it is the beginning of birth pains. Now, I don't know where we're on the timeline, but I believe we should prepare our hearts. Here's God's will for you. No matter what blows up, what happens, what pandemics, what wars, that you walk with confidence and clarity. Jesus said, when you see this stuff, you guys, don't panic. Look up because your redemption draws nigh. There's a hope in the heart of every true believer that says, hey, things could be wrapping up, but here's my hope. Peter wrote it this way, First Peter. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Now we live with great expectation. Could you read the underline with me? Now we live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed. Look at this. This salvation is revealed on the last day for all to see. Three different phases of your salvation. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and said, it is finished. He shed his blood for the redemption of mankind and for your sins. He foreknew you. Before you were ever born, he knew there would be a moment, perhaps it's today for some and some on the stream that you would bow your knee and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. So we are saved positionally. And the Romans ten nine and 10 says, when you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God and that the father raised him from the dead and you confess him with your mouth, that regeneration occurs. It's being born again. We are changed. We go from death to life, from darkness to light. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But there's a third level of salvation that Peter's talking about, and he's saying on that final day, the salvation will be complete, we will be redeemed out of this broken planet. And all the scars that you've carried in life will be healed. And all the wounds will be completely healed. He will wipe every tear from our eye. There will be no pain or suffering or sorrow any longer. How many are looking forward to the final salvation? So he finishes up with this. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though, look at this, you must endure many trials for a little while. Many trials for a little while. Okay, you know, when, when tragedy hits, when war hits, when things happen, catastrophe hits in our world and in our nation, people run to God. Church attendance increases. Historically, and they've done the research and, and looked at the stats, the Sunday after 9-11 was the highest attendance level percentage-wise since World War II in America. And we were meeting in a community center and doing three or four services, and I remember that weekend, you couldn't get in the building But many people were not there to serve God or to bow their knee and become a disciple. They were there because of tragedy struck so close to them right here within the borders of our nation. So a lot of people, they come to the house of God or they want their pastor to tell them in times like these, everything's going to be all right. It's okay. Everything's going to be fine. So I've come today to tell you everything's going to be all right eventually. You're going to be just fine eventually. But between now and when the clouds split and Jesus comes back for his bride, buckle up. Get your armor on. The birth pains are on, and they may just increase. And that should not sadness, but it should bring a sobriety and an awareness that there's a way that we need to live in this hour where we're armored up. Our focus is on Jesus. We're not apathetic, casual Christians. You know, what we've seen this last couple years, a lot of people got shook in their faith, but it shook some apathy out of the church. And and God is purifying his bride. He's not coming back for some limping bride, half asleep, kind of in a malaise of church attendance. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's doing something right now. There is a revival that is on, and we get to be a part of it. Amen? So let me just give you three big ideas around this question. What time is it? What time is it? In regards to the end of days or where we're living right now, let me give you the first one. It's time to get planted in the house and stay connected to the body. Planted in the house and connected to the body. Now, every analogy you see in scripture of the church is connectedness. You are a building that's fit together. Ephesians chapter two says, God is building house, living stones brought together. We are a body that's interconnected. We're an army that marches together. He's created his church for connectivity and the Greek word, the ecclesios or the church, it means to be called out and called together. So, Something has happened over the last two years, and we all learned how to pivot, and we learned the meaning of that word. It used to be a basketball word. Now it's in every vernacular and vocabulary. But you started getting very comfortable with going to work through Zoom, right? And you did your conference meetings through Zoom, and you did school on screen, and you did church through the live stream, and everything became on a digital uh, platform and format. And thank God that we were able to connect with so many of you through the live stream and technology. I appreciate that. But here's the problem with the pivot. A lot of people ain't pivoted back yet. There's a lot of people still on the couch on Sunday, maybe tapping into 10 minutes of the stream. I'm not rebuking anybody. That's your pastor's job, not mine. Just an observation. Eating pancakes and watching a little bit of church, yet to get back in the house of God. Now, there is a valid place for digital media and the live stream, and we do podcasts and on demand and YouTube channel. We do all the things that most churches do. And it's... It's a great tool for people that are not ready to be in the building yet. It's an on-ramp to the house of God. I get testimonies and emails from um, military folks that have been deployed from everywhere, from Iran, Iraq, Qatar, and they say, thank you, pastor. I was out there by myself, and I was able to tap into church and get the word and feel the presence of God. Or maybe you can't get out of your home, and you're watching today because physically you can't leave the house. We're so blessed to be able to bring ministry to you. Or maybe some people are are in a a small, remote area of some obscure place where there's no life-giving church, and that's great. But God's primary way of raising up disciples and building your life is through being connected with the body of Christ. Now, one of the ways we know that the impetus of the pandemic was demonic is it caused people to isolate and separate from one another. I mean, the rule was stay away from me. Don't get too close to me. Don't touch me, don't hug me, don't shake my hand, stay away from me, give me my six feet, ten feet, whatever you need, right? And that isolation, uh, finally, you know, psychologists and scientists catching up with what the Word has been teaching all along, is that isolation will destroy your soul. You know that one of the cruelest forms of punishment is solitary confinement. It is cruel and inhumane. They found out through science that when an infant is born, it needs to be immediately taken to his mom. Something about an embrace. You need the human touch. What I'm trying to say, bro, is you need a hug, man. You need a hug. That's the way we're wired. Look over at someone you know and love and actually tell them, I think you need a hug. Tell somebody right there. I need a hug. I think you need a hug. Now, if, if it's a complete stranger raising an eyebrow, make it awkward, go, you need a hug? You know, Start the car, dear, last time at City Church. Now, if you're single at that moment, that might have been a big moment for you. You're welcome. I'm here to serve. You see, because God wants us connected. And listen, the church, the body of Christ, the interconnected body of Christ, this is God's idea. This is not a pastor's dream. This is not a denominational process. It's not an organizational kit we put together. God said, I'm gonna bring my people together, and in that, I'm gonna pour out my spirit. So it is time, listen, it's not time to be an isolated Christian. It's time to be planted and rooted in the house of God, and if you don't have a local church, this is a great one. Get planted in the house of God, why? There's something that happens in the connectedness that doesn't happen any other way. Look at this in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more. Would you say that with me? All the more. Encouraging all the more. When? As you see the day of Christ approaching. Now, he says we're to come together and encourage one another, and it's this Greek word, parakaleo, and it means to walk alongside, to infuse courage, strength, and comfort. It's the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, hey, I'm going to go to the Father, but it's better for you because as I go, I'm going to send the parakletos, and he is going to walk alongside to comfort and strengthen and be the advocate and the counselor. How many are glad the Holy Spirit walks right beside you? He lives in you when you receive Christ. He comes upon you when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He empowers you for ministry. And then every day he's walking right next to you. Now, here's the interesting thing. Paul writes and he says, in the church, this is what we do. We infuse courage into one another. This is not a time to walk in isolation. I need you and you need me. Think about this. In this room right now, you are uniquely gifted. But some of our gifts are dormant or undiscovered. See, there's people in the room today, you have the gift of teaching and you haven't taught the word yet. There's others that have the gift of prophecy, but you're not prophesying. There's people that have the gift of encouragement. You need to release some more encouragement. We're all uniquely gifted. And when the church, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14, when everybody comes together and there's a psalm and a song and a prophetic word, something happens. The life of Christ just flourishes. And Jesus is revealed to a community and to a world that desperately needs him when we operate in our gifts. Let me say it this way. If you're not operating in your gift, you're diminishing the expression of the person and character of Jesus to your community. It's not a great preacher on the stage or a great band. It's the body of Christ revealing Jesus through each, to each other, <laughs> through ourselves, through our gifting. And if you are not using your gift... Someone's getting ripped off. Let's say, for instance, I don't have the gift of healing. I pray for people. I just That's not my gift. You might get healed, but it's like a lotto. It's, odds are slim. I do have the gift of leadership. And if you get around me long enough, I'm going to help you lead some people. I'm going to help lead your life in a, in a positive direction. So I got a few gifts I can prophesy randomly, but here's the deal. We got people in our church that got the gift of healing. Man, if you're sick, you want them to lay their little hands on you and anoint you with oil, I'm telling you. Now, what if I came to church and I'm sick, I got a condition, I need a miracle, and you have the gift of healing, but you're not operating in your gift? It diminishes us. I'm saying God's brought you here, and I just want to belabor this for a minute. I feel like there's people in the room, and there's there's a little something going on in your heart right now because you know you have some dormant gifts, something you're not doing yet. And I feel this, there's some leaders that are not leading. There's some pastors not pastoring. There's some entrepreneurs that are not doing it with faith. So God wants to stir you up in such a way that you're like, here's the deal. When you start using your gift to live in a bigger world than just includes you and your family, when you start saying, God, multiply my business and my gifting and my ministry to serve others, he will anoint that, and all of a sudden your world is going to open up. But we must get connected and use our gifts so it's not a time to isolate. It's a time for a group hug. Amen? Yeah. All right, the second thing I want to tell you is it's time to go deeper in our discipleship. Right? So it's time to get planted and grounded in the house. Time to go deeper in our discipleship. Hebrews twelve twenty seven says this. That all the things that can be shaken will be shaken so that only the unshakable things will remain. From my vantage point as a pastor, here's what I saw in the last 24 months. There's a lot of people that I thought were strong in the Lord, oaks of righteousness. And all the tragedy and all the riots and all the mayhem and all the pandemic and all that went on, it shook them and they're no longer on the radar. They just kind of walked away from church, walked away from God. Other people drilled down and they built their foundation. Here's what we need in in the days to come. Not casual church attenders and spectators. We need true disciples. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus, learning the ways of Jesus, following close to Jesus. And that happens as we walk with one another. There's this... um, Ancient rabbinic saying, because the way that, that uh, the rabbis would select their protégés, even pre-Jesus, is the same way that Jesus did it. They'd pick a young man and say, hey, would you be my protégé? Would you learn with me? And he would follow the rabbi. But he wouldn't just listen to his teaching of the Torah and, and exegesis on you know, Old Testament scriptures. He would watch his mannerisms, his lifestyle. He would stay close. And th- this saying in, in ancient Judaism goes like this. May you walk so close to the rabbi that the dust from his sandals covers your life. And that's how Jesus wants you to walk with him. So close that the dust from his sandals covers your life. Now how do we do that? It's not a program, it's not a curriculum, it's relationship. Just as Jesus spent that time with the 12, and then the Apostle Paul had about 12 protégés that he worked with, and then he instructed Timothy, he said, I want you to find some other faithful men that you can entrust this faith to so they can reproduce themselves. Here's what I want to ask you. Who are you following and who are you leading? You know, I, I believe God's doing something right now, and he's raising up leaders in every house. And you, you might be thinking, well, Dave, I'm not a leader. I don't see myself as a pastor. You don't need the title or that. Here's what leadership is. It's influence. And God has called you to influence. Maybe it's a group of, uh, of young ladies as a single mom, or maybe it's married couples or business people, but you have influence. And when you begin to say, follow me as I follow Christ, you will in fact make disciples. So who are you learning from? Who are you receiving from? And then who is following you? It's time we go deeper in our discipleship. You know, the, the study of engineering... And the construction of skyscrapers is pretty fascinating. And the second tallest skyscraper in the world is Shanghai Tower in Shanghai, China. And they worked for years before you could see anything rise above ground level. There's a 1,000 pylons underneath Shanghai Tower that go 300 feet into the ground. And they're about the circumference of this room. Think about that, 1,000 pylons. They, there's a five-story basement and they work for years. Why so much work on the foundation? in order to stabilize what was going to be built above the surface so when the winds and the storms and the earthquake comes I'm telling you church it is time to go deep in the word it's time to go deep in your faith it's time to be a student in the house of God amen the final thing I want to tell you is this it's time to live in the presence of God like never before time to live close to him you know The bottom line of everything that we do is this. God wants relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to walk with you. And the reason I love King David and the heart of David and my second favorite guy to study, second to Jesus in the Bible is David, and here's why. He said in Psalm 24, he said, Lord, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and this is what I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, here's something you need to know. Proximity to Jesus fixes everything, proximity to him. In his presence, now we sang about it this morning. Your church wrote a song based on the Lord's Prayer. And he said this, Jesus taught us to pray. He said, I want you to pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth as what? Let me ask you, how are things in heaven this morning? They're going pretty fine. No no anxiety, no stress, no lack, no poverty, no disease, no worries. And what he's saying is, I want you to live in such a way where the kingdom of God comes into your world. Pray it, live it. Now, the presence of God is much more than the goosebumps we feel at a charismatic worship service. When you lift your voice to sing, it's not a warm up for the word or some Christian karaoke with some words on the screen. What is worship? It's creating an atmosphere of heaven on earth. A platform for the authority of God. Psalm 22.3 says this. You are holy, you that are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. It's type of the church. The praise is plural. And here's what the word enthroned means in the Hebrew. God comes and he sits down. He takes residence. So something happens. That's why it's important to get to church on time. Just a little pastor encouragement. Come in ready to worship God. In fact, why don't you start the worship service before you leave the house? Crank up the good worship, you know, Spotify, Elevation, Maverick City, whoever you like. Crank it up in the car. Get your heart right. Why? Because when we come together and we lift up our voices, God takes a throne of authority and sets up in the midst of us. Now, here's the key. When his presence moves in and his authority comes, it displaces all other authorities. So the peace that passes all understanding displaces anxiety. The strength of God displaces your weakness. The courage, the the very heart and mind of God displaces fear in his presence. So I got to encourage you guys, make a place for the presence of God in your home. Let's shut down the the media, the barrage of bad news and negativity and crank up the, the worship. Lift your voice, displace anxiety and stress and even demonic powers by lifting up your voice. When you sing out, it dispels the powers of darkness. It really does. I'll tell you a little story, I didn't share this at the first service, but I had a friend, and uh, he was having some uh, fairly new in the Lord, and, and his family was a mess. There was some occult practice in, in the lineage, and he was having some demonic stuff happen at his home. So he wanted me to come over as a pastor and kind of anoint the door and scare off the demons. You know, kind of Ghostbusters thing with my pack, you know, I'm ready to go. Old school. So I get to his house, and we pray a little bit, and I'm walking through his house. And the Holy Spirit says, have him open the Bible and start singing out the Psalms in his home. And his his daughters have been woken up in terror, nightmares every night. It was a mess. And he goes, Pastor Dave, I don't sing. And the Lord said he has authority in this house. So this guy with trembling voice opens up the book of Psalms. Oh, how great is our God, you know. And the moment he began to sing, something shifted. An authority was displaced. He told me after that night, his girl started sleeping all night through. There was a visible shift and real simple remedy. I just said, you need to walk through your house and take authority on the real estate that God has given you because you're the priest of the home. You can displace messed up stuff in your life and in your world. When I was rebelling from God and Pastor Jude mentioned it, but I I came from a broken pastor's home. and, And anyway, my story is one of addiction and running from God for years and he miraculously redeemed me. But I I remember my mom telling me back in the days when I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and just on the run that they would go into my room and and worship while I wasn't there. I'm just exhorting. This, This stuff is not on the notes, but I think a parent needs to hear this. If you got a prodigal out there, you got a prodigal son and daughter, take take responsibility to change the atmosphere, especially if they're still in your home. That is your house. That's your real estate. And you can tell the enemy, you don't have any right in this square footage. Because something happens in the presence of God, it changes your perspective. In just a minute, I'll call up the band, but i got to tell you about this guy in the Old Testament. His name's Asaph. And Asaph was one of the key musicians at David's Tabernacle. And Asaph was called to write songs and sing before the Lord. And David's tabernacle was different than the other tabernacles. There's three major tabernacles in the Old Testament. Tabernacle of Moses was first, then the tabernacle of David. He had a dream to build Solomon's temple. His son, Solomon's temple was built and it was destroyed and remodeled by Herod. So in these four temples that house the Ark of the Covenant, God said in Acts 15, I'm going to rebuild David's tabernacle that the rest of mankind can seek the Lord. Now, why did he do this prophetic leap? He, he went backwards. He didn't say, I'm gonna rebuild Solomon's or Herod's, I'm gonna rebuild David's tabernacle. Because in the tabernacle of David, there was no veil that separated the common people from the presence of God. It wasn't designed for a priestly hierarchy where the high priest would go in once a year behind that thick veil six inches deep of material and 60 feet tall and sprinkle the blood of a spotless lamb on the mercy seat. It was no longer one man going in. When Jesus hung on the cross, what was the final thing he said? It is finished. And when he cried out those words, the hands of God ripped the veil in the temple from top to bottom, not just allowing equal access for all of humanity, but releasing the Holy Spirit into the world. And so this prophetic word in Acts 15, quoting Amos, a 900-year-old prophecy, James says, I'm going to rebuild David's tabernacle in the last days so that the rest of mankind can experience the presence of God. You know what your neighbors want? You know what your unsaved friends and family need and long for? Is the presence of the living God. They just cannot articulate it. And you can substitute it. You can medicate it. You can entertain that hurt in your heart. You can try to run from it. But we were designed to live in His presence forever. Until we step into that place, we're going to live frustrated, unsatisfied lives. So, The tabernacle of Zion on Mount Zion, as you ascend up Mount Zion and open up the tent, there was the Ark of the Covenant with no veil. And there were singers, 188 musicians. There were prophetic songs and words being scribed, worship going 24-7. That's what Asaph was a part of. But you know what happened? He drifted from it. He got outside the presence of God. And when he got outside the presence of God, his vision got obscured. He couldn't see things accurately. And I think there's probably some people in the room, and there's some people on the stream today watching, listening. And right now, there's there's some fog in your life. You can't see your future clearly. But let me tell you, in the presence of God, clarity comes back. When I'm outside the presence of God, I forget who I am. I forget my calling. I forget the role that he's called me to walk into. And outside of his presence, you start to see things differently. We get cynical. We get critical. We get jaded. And the call of God on our life gets obscured. But I want to invite you today back into the presence of God. Back into this place where, God, I just I want to see things the way you see them. You know, Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus. I said, church, I keep praying for you that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your heart would be opened up and enlightened, that you might comprehend the full scope of His calling and His future for your life. A spirit of wisdom and revelation is this. The word simply means to reveal something that's been covered, revelation. So it's like this: I got a veil over my eyes. There's a future out there, there's a ministry, there's a spouse, there, there's a business, there's a plan but I can't see it because there's a veil over my eyes. But the spirit of wisdom and revelation or the entering into the ark brings up the veil and suddenly I could see things again. So at the age of 22 and my addiction to many various drugs and alcohol and rebellion, I couldn't see my future. My, my self-esteem was so low, I believed the lies of the enemy. You ever believe a lie of the enemy, told you you're not worthy? that window's past you, you don't have the gifting, you're never going to make this happen, you missed it, you missed your call, you messed up the first marriage, and we believe a series of lies which create a veil over our vision for the future. But suddenly God comes and he takes it, and if he can redeem Saul of Tarsus and turn him into the apostle Paul, he can change your story. If he can take Caleb at the age of 80 years old and give him his mountain in the promised land, it's not too late for you. I mean, look at all the messed up, broken people. We serve a God. Jesus is the king that specializes in restoring broken, messed up people and turning stories that are going down and to the left, up and to the right. This is who he is. But we gotta have a revelation of that. We gotta see his story in us. And I remember as that broken 22-year-old kid trying to get off all my stuff. And I'd sit at the house with the Bible in my lap and listen to worship and pray. And slowly the veil began to lift. And God started showing me a vision of myself that I never saw. I'm telling you, there's some people here today. There's a version of you in the future you haven't walked into yet. I see versions of leadership and success and marriage and mentoring and financial prosperity and increase and no more bondage, no more mental torment. There's a version of you, but you gotta get a glimpse of it to reach out for it. We only run after what we see. We're drawn towards some kind of target. Let me just ask you a personal question. What is it you're running towards in your life? What does that look like? I'm gonna ask the band to come and, just gonna flow a little bit. Where'd they go? Maybe. Hey, how you doing? I'm Dave. This is Zach. Everybody say welcome, Zach. Are we gonna mess around a little bit with this? What are we doing? What are you playing? So, uh, this was. Uh, this is all spontaneous. We're just gonna see how this goes. But, so, so a- Asaph, our guy here, he gets out of the presence of God. He quits singing worship, and he starts complaining. You know the antithesis. The opposite of praise and adoration is complaint. And he, he starts just saying, God, look at the wicked. They're prospering. Look at them out there. They're getting all the, the good breaks and the good jobs and the good stuff. And I've served you and ha! Ah, I got nothing. He, he's complaining and he's broken. And so read Psalm 73, which is a song. And in fact, is, has anybody got a Bible I could borrow real quick? Any Bible's a good Bible. What translation is this? Okay, uh, turn to Psalm 73. We're gonna end in two minutes. So like, wow, we starting the sermon right now. Just kind of uh, get like an E chord, just hit a little groove real quick. So he, he starts talking about how the wicked, they have no pains in their death. Their bodies are flat and sleek. They're not in trouble. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Violence as a garment They they scoff and they just do whatever they want. They set their mouths against heaven. So just, you know, help me a little groove here. So if if we're going to complain about, I like it. You like that? Mm, Yeah. Lord, I see the wicked. It seems they got it made. They don't work near as hard as I do and they're getting triple paid. They don't go to church. I don't believe they're But look at them, Lord, they're they're doing just fine. Just fine. Well, I'm not so sure. I keep going to city church. Hey, because I've seen the wicked in there prosper. And I'm not. It hurts. Yeah, just a little groove there, a little groove. Hey, I was going to my small group. Got stuck out on 101. Traffic from here to Santa Barbara and I'm just not having any fun. Pastor Jude told me if I tithe, that the Lord would bless my life. But it just keeps sitting tighter and I can't take any more of my life and my wife. But I don't know what to do because the, the more I serve God, mm, it seems like I'm missing it here. I'm on the short end of the stick. Where have you gone, God? I got those steadily depressing. I keep going to church, can't get a breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, that's stuff right there. Now, okay, that's enough of that. Having way too much fun at church. Thank you. They'll be here all week. He's singing. Okay, he's singing the blues and he's talking about how God is not faithful and he can't see straight. But then something happens, he walks up Mount Zion, opens up the veil, and there's the ark something happens to our musician and his song goes from the blues to an anthem it goes from a minor to a major and in psalm 73 the the pivotal shift here in verse 17 says but then one day everybody say then one day i was brought into the sanctuary of god and in the light of glory my distorted perspective vanished and then i understood Listen to what God wants to do in just a couple minutes. We're going to pray. We're going to lift up our voice. And God wants your distorted perspective to melt away today. He wants to speak over your future. I just want to speak this over some people. His call is still on your life. He's not done with you. There's more in your future than you've ever imagined. It's time for you to get back up and run toward him. It's time to step into the presence of God and see clearly. Let me end with this. I love this illustration, there's a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick in history. Florence Chadwick in the summer of 1952, she stepped into the chilly waters off of Catalina Island with a goal of swimming the 26 mile channel from Catalina to just south of Long Beach, never been done by a woman. So Florence gets in the water, she starts swimming hour after hour after hour. She was flanked by a couple of boats. Her mom, her swim coach, the media people, they're watching out for sharks. And she's swimming the channel. 15 hours into a swim, she's exhausted, but she keeps going, she keeps swimming, she keeps swimming till finally she said, mom, coach, pull me out. They said, no, keep going, keep going, you can make. it." She said, no, I can't go. They pull her out of the water, put her in the boat, only to find out a little bit later, she was one mile from the shore. She swam 25 miles and they pulled her out of the water. As she got on the shore and learned that, one of the interviewers of media said, Florence, why didn't you keep going? And she said this, I was exhausted. I was scared. All I could see was fog. And then she made this statement. I think that if I could have seen the shore, I would have kept going. Three months later, she got back in the same channel, back in the same water, started swimming, same boats flanked her, same weariness set in, same fog set in that channel, as many of you know it does down here in the summertime. But here's what she did. She not only swam the channel, set a record for women first time, she broke the men's record by two full hours. Props for the ladies. She gets on the shoreline. They ask her what the difference? She said, in my mind, the whole time, in my mind, I could see the shoreline. I'm telling you, when you get a vision for what God has for your marriage, for what God has for your business, for what God has for your ministry, in his presence, you're going to see things differently. There's So, so, so much in my heart right now, because we just came through 25 years as a church, and just seeing all that God has done because we just decided we're just going to keep swimming. We're going to keep going toward the high call. But today, God wants you to get a glimpse. He wants to pull up that veil. He wants you to live in his presence. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you love us so much that, that even though we take timeouts and delays and we get distracted and maybe even days we complain and we forget about the high call, you're faithful. When we're faithless, you're faithful. God, in the seasons where we've given up, you never gave up on us. I just feel, let's just honor the Holy Spirit this last couple minutes. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to some people right now very clearly that he's tapping you on the heart and say that call is still on your life. That invitation I gave you five years ago, seven years ago, it's still there. For some he's saying it's not too late, you haven't gone too far. There's an invitation to step back into the full and high call of God and I'm declaring over you today that it shifts, it changes in this moment. I want to pray over you that the veil is lifted and you can see, but with heads bowed if you say Pastor Dave, that's me. I'm in the fog. I've lost, I've lost vision of God's high call for my life. I'm wandering around, you know. Maybe you would say, Yeah, I'm a person of faith. I attend church, but I don't have clarity. I'm in that fog. I need a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You just lift your hand to the Lord. I'm gonna pray over you in just a moment if that's you. You got some fog, you got some some veil all over the room. We'll pray over you in just a moment. You can put those down. I also want to ask, is there anybody in the room? and on the stream as well. You can respond right there in your home, your living room, your dorm. You'd say, Pastor Dave, today I'm just not walking with God. I'm I'm away from Him. There's things in my life I couldn't say today that I'm ready to meet Him and I'm far from Him and I, I need to come home. And if the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the heart, saying, son, daughter, this is your day. It's time to come home. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, something supernatural is gonna happen here in just a moment. So heads bowed, but if that's you and you say, this is my day, I'm a daughter that's coming to the Father. I'm a son who's coming home. Would you just look up and wave at me so I can connect with you right now? This is important for you to have this moment. I'll just look around the room here. Thank you for waving, God bless you. If that's you, yeah, praise God. Anybody else over here? God bless you over here. Yeah, if you're, if you're watching from home, we don't want you to miss this moment. There's people in the room saying today's my day and we want to help you get going on this journey of faith. I'm going to pray out of prayer, and I just want those that are making a decision to agree with this. You pray it out in your heart. Father, I know I need a Savior. I need your forgiveness. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. And today I put my faith and trust in who you are. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you forgive sins. I ask you to forgive mine. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to live in your presence. And by your grace, one day I will stand before you, and I'll see you face to face. We praise you for that. In Jesus' great name, amen. Let me pray one more prayer. In fact, let's stand to our feet for this one. And if you're comfortable with it, raise your hands. Just stretch out toward heaven. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for a spirit of wisdom to come upon your church. I pray for a spirit of revelation to rest upon your people. I pray the call of God will be stirred up today in the hearts of your people. I pray you call people back into ministry. I pray the gift of prophecy be stirred up in Jesus' name. I pray the gift of evangelism be stirred up today in Jesus' name. We're praying right now, let the church arise in this hour. Let faith arise, break off every veil, and let Jesus be revealed. Call us back to a burning faith and, and running the race, God, for you give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' great name. Amen. Come on. Let's lift our voices. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.